And thank you very much for listening to our UEFA Europa League Group C preview, which of course includes Trabzonspor, who came out of pot 4. In Group C, from pot 1, we got FC Basel from Switzerland, from pot 2, Krasnodar from Russia, from pot 3, Getafe from Spain, and finally, from pot 4, Turkey's very own Trabzonspor. And from pot one, we have FC Basel from Switzerland. And here to talk to us about FC Basel is Oliver Zessiger. Oliver, thank you very much for joining us. You're, of course, an, a professional football scout and you also work on the football manager database. So people will be familiar with your work, I'm sure. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Khan. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about FC Basel. How did Basel manage to get into the Europa League? And I know because I was there for one of their games, but <laughs> so how did uh, Basel fare last season, for example, in, in the league? Did they, I believe, Young Boys won the title, didn't they? Exactly, Young Boys won the title in the second, uh, for the second straight year after eight consecutive titles from Basel. And um, yeah, Basel was uh, qualified for the uh, Champions League qualification as a second from the league last season. They beat. Uh, uh, PSV Eindhoven in the first round, which means the second round actually, I believe, yes, second round. And then, um, rather surprisingly, although if you watch both games, not that surprising at all, they lost to LISK, uh, Linz ISK from Austria. And uh, due to a rule change, they were uh, directly qualified for the Europa League group stage because they uh, survived the first qualifying round. And uh, so basically, they had no uh, no pressure against uh, Linz, but uh, could not uh, get past them. Yeah, and of course, uh, Besiktas fans will remember their scare last season with Linz because it took, a, I believe, like a 94th minute of our on a greater goal to even get past Linz. And uh, Linz have been uh, certainly impressive in the qualifiers, went out against Club Bruges in the final playoff round, but that's also a very good team, of course. Um, but uh, who would you describe as key players for this FC Basel? I believe they just lost one of their most important players that actually went to Club Rouge, uh, Ever Balanta. But who else could you highlight as uh, Basel's more important players? I would have said Balanta, uh, former football manager wanted to Ever Balanta. But as you said, he, uh, he, was, he, he just joined uh, Bruges and will play Champions League. Um, first and foremost, I think the goalkeeper. Uh, he's the number three goalkeeper for Switzerland, and Switzerland has historically great goalkeepers. And it, uh, it's Jonas Omlin, by the way, and 25 years old. Then, uh, yeah, if you look at the squad, you have to figure out, like, uh, uh, the captain, Valentin Stocker. Uh, uh, apart from his stint at Hertha Berlin, he was uh, a, Basler, a Basler player for life. And uh, Luca Zufi, his uh, set pieces are very good. He's a good free kick taker. Uh, at the back is uh, Eray Cermet, uh, a Swiss-Turkish double national uh, double passport holder, who uh, will probably make his debut for the Swedish national team in a few days. 
And he's a modern center back, um, not always convincing at the back, but with very good long passes and a very good build up. I was just going to say his cross passes are incredibly impressive. I remember watching uh, Basel's uh, return against PSV uh, on TV, and I was just in awe of, uh, of his passing ability. It's, uh, it's, I think I even tweeted about it. <laughs> Yeah, he uses he uses that cross pass too often because uh, usually uh, opponents adapt to it. But when he caught, when he, when he can when he can uh, catch them on the wrong foot, it's it usually creates a chance, and it's a very good weapon to have from the back. And the final player I would uh, point out is Kemal Ademi, and uh, he's a striker. He's almost two meters tall, and he's now at five goals this season already. And he came on a free from uh, almost relegated Samax Neuchâtel and uh, did very well so far. So um, those are more or less the key players. What can you tell us about uh, their coach, Marcel Koller? Uh, what's his type of uh, football that he likes to play? What type of football does he have FC Basel playing? Yeah, Marcel Koller is probably best known uh, for his stint as an uh, Austrian national coach, where he, uh, I would say, resurrected that Austrian national team a little bit from the slumber they had in the uh, early to mid 2000s. Uh, he was uh, he's well known in Switzerland of course he's a former national player and he was uh, coach of FC St. Gallen uh, who won the championship in 2001 it was the last time a, a team outside of Grasshoppers FC Zurich, uh, Basel or Young Boys won the title. Um, his style is, uh, or his formation is basically a 4-2-3-1. He does not change it too often, and, and uh, his style is very rigid, so it's not much fluidity, and positions are usually set, and they don't switch, or they don't uh, roam from that position, the players, and uh, it's not what, let's say, uh, tactical nerds would call modern football. What's come this season is now that they press a little bit higher, I think, and that the build-up works better. As I said, Eric Chermet is, uh, is the main man in uh, build-up. And um, they still use the long ball too often for my liking, but they have, as I said, Kemal Ademi at almost two meters up front who can play with the back to the goal and then uh, lay it off to a midfielder. And um, they also... Uh, they're also they're not yet uh, well um, connected. The team has changed over the last two years and there's still a little bit of, uh, of teamwork missing, but uh, it's slowly and uh, surely getting better. And what would you say are their main strengths? What is it that they play to? You say they use the, the long ball a lot, of course they have a tall forward up front, but um, what would uh, Trabzonspor and, and Getafe and Krasnodar have to watch out for when they're playing against FC Basel? Um, their attack is uh, very dangerous with uh, Stocker on one side and Ooka for a young prospect uh, on the other side or uh, even um, Kevin Buya on the other side and uh, Ademi at uh, the main striker position and those three to four players are very good, very efficient usually and while Basel does not always play well, they usually score, and that's due to their uh, efficiency. Uh, in midfield, you have like, you know, the, the old guard around uh, Fabian Frey, who has been there, done everything, basically, um, played Champions League, played Europa League semi-finals, uh, played Bundesliga. So um, there is uh, 
good part is uh, experience who is on their side, especially midfield. Uh, a little bit of a of, uh, the problem could be a centre-back position. Cermat is only 21 and Omar Alderete, the other uh, centre-back, is only 22. And this, uh, it's his first season in Europe. But uh, in general, let's say, um, it's keeping the ball. It's uh, looking for solutions. And if those solutions don't come with a short pass, then they can play a long ball. And they're, they're quite good at it um, because they have the tall striker up there. And the same question, but then in regards to how should these teams try to exploit Basel's weaknesses? Um, if you if you uh, transition very quickly, then Basel is, uh, gets problems. The midfield is not very quick. Um, they're good with the feet, they're physically, physically good, but they're not very quick. And uh, as I said, the centre-backs are... Um, they're, they have not gelled so far, so... Um, they can be exploited and also the left-hand side, the left-hand defense is uh, not their uh, strength. So if uh, the opponents attack over the right-hand side, if there's a Blas Riveros or Raul Petretta playing at the left-back position, this could be exploited as well. But the main thing is quick transitions um, to, uh, to overrun basically the midfield and uh, Basel will have problems with it. What are your general expectations of the group? I think this is a very interesting group with four teams that are probably evenly matched. It's a little difficult to gauge. I'm not that familiar with Getafe. I've seen Krasnodar in the Europa League over the past couple of years. They are always a tough team to face. Basel, of course, I've seen them in action. A very uh, tough team. And I think Trabzonspor, they're all kind of, I think, floating around that similar level, I would want to say. Um, what are your expectations for this group? Who's going to qualify? Um, and, and are Basel going to struggle, you think? Um, yeah, your general expectations of the, the, the table. And if I would have to ask a, a final um, standings as well, please. Um, it's uh, When I first saw the group, I thought it's a nightmare for Basel because um, the group, the opponents are not perceived as very attractive in Switzerland. So they will not have a lot of uh, spectators, I think. Uh, and then, as you said, they were, um, maybe on a similar level, all the teams. Hetaf, um, of course, me is the big unknown, which is funny to say, but uh, I just don't follow La Liga too uh, too close, so I can't really say anything about them. As you said, Krasnodar did well uh, in the uh, Europa League last season, Trabzonspor, and I know a little bit about them. And it really is could be anyone who wins this group, to be honest. Um, I think that Basel will struggle, especially against uh, the good attack of Trabzonspor and uh, Krasnodar, and I think they will finish third. I can see either I can see anyone win this group, to be honest. Um, I can see Krasnodar win it, win it. I think the slight favorite has to be Hedafe, just because they're a Spanish team, and Trabzonspor has a good chance as well to win this group. I don't think Basel will um, advance from it. From it, um, of course, I'm always up for a, for a surprise, and I would take it, especially for as Swiss football needs the points for the uh, UEFA coefficient. Uh, but it's really tough, uh, really, as I said, a nightmare group for Basel. Yeah, and I think uh, all teams in this group will probably think uh, the same way, especially you know when you get a team like Trabzonspor out of pot four. Uh, I remember years ago when Besiktas were in the Champions League and they were in the third pot and um, 
then of course you expect a weaker opponent coming out of pot 4 and they ended up with Wolfsburg who had won the Bundesliga that year before and absolutely <laughs> slaughtered them. Uh, so it's, it's, it's never fun when you get a tough team from group four, from pot 4, especially in the Europa League where you definitely expect to get a weaker brother so to speak but uh, it, it's gonna be super interesting. Um, then my actual final question, this one is not so much football related but is there anywhere you can say for the um, for the visiting fans from Trabzonspor, Getafe or Krasnodar who decide to make the trip to Switzerland, what should they go and do when they're in town for a day or two? Oh, uh, I'm not actually from Basel. Um, I live in I live like an hour away, but just go uh, walk through the old town, uh, go uh, to the River Rhine, and go to the uh, banks of the River Rhine and enjoy a, sun a hopefully sunny day. Maybe it will be a little bit cold in October, November, December, but uh, enjoy a beer there at the banks of the River Rhine. And there are a lot of museums in Basel, and it's a very culturally rich city. And if you want to make a day trip, maybe go to the Rhine Falls. It's about, let's say, a 30 to 40 minute train ride. Um, it's um, like a waterfall and the most famous waterfall in Switzerland. And it's very impressive, but uh, you will have enough to do in Basel. It's a beautiful city. Uh, it has the river, and it is very culturally rich, as I said. And uh, no worries, you can still um, go for a beer, uh, or if if you don't like the city, you can still go for a beer or two or ten. Thank you very much, Oliver Zessiger, and we will be continuing our preview for this. And from pot 2 we've got Krasnodar from Russia and here to talk to us about Krasnodar is Will Baumgartner, Russian football expert and an expert in particular on Krasnodar and he works for Russian Football News RFN. You'll certainly be familiar with that if you follow Russian football a little bit. Will, thank you very much for joining us and giving us your insights on Krasnodar. Hey, I'm happy to be on. And as you can detect, Will is uh, American. <laughs> so, uh, Will, one rule. Football it is then. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, Krasnodar, it's a team that I think people who pay attention to the Europa League, like, I don't know what it is. The Europa League always fascinates me. I'm a huge fan of the Europa League. Even when my, my favorite club, Besiktas, isn't in it, I still love the Europa League. It's, it's, in my opinion, the most purest form of European football there is right now because the way that the Champions League is structured with, you know, all those big competitions getting those direct spots and... I just prefer this, uh, the Europa League in that sense. Obviously, the money in the Champions League is much better, so you always want your team to play Champions League. But when it comes to the pure charm of European football, I think the Europa League is definitely um, the, the competition to look at most. Um, and Krasnodar are a team that have done quite well in the Europa League in recent years. They've been in the group stages. I, I don't really know specifically how frequently, but I seem to recall them being in it pretty much every season. And the last six years, actually, in a row, they've been yeah. in the Europa League. There you go. So, um, yeah, they're a team that is always difficult. I remember Fenerbahce playing them and struggling a lot. I even think they knocked them <laughs> out. And it's just, you know, one of those really tricky teams. And then when we look at this group stage draw, we have four clubs that I think are very, very evenly matched. We have FC Basel from Switzerland, Krasnodar from Russia, which we'll be, we're talking about right now, Getafe from Spain, and then Trabzonspor coming out of pot four, which is arguably, maybe, the hardest team to come out of pot four. So it's really an evenly matched uh, 
group. There's no top favorite in it, like a Sevilla or, or a Manchester United, but mm -hmm. they're all very strong teams. And we're going to pick back up on that later when I ask you your prediction for the group. But let's <laughs> talk about Krasnodar first. How did they manage to qualify for the Europa League this season? Yeah, so Krasnodar actually was in Champions League qualification um, and they ended up going out of, against uh, Olympiacos. But um, in Champions League qualification, they drew Porto as their first matchup. Uh, and they lost pretty badly in the first leg, but they were able to pull it together and they won a pretty... I think it was a 3-1 victory in the second leg. It was They won by a whole lot, and they were able to actually go past Porto. Uh, and at that point, I was thinking, this is great. The, we beat the hardest the hardest team we could have possibly gotten, and now we're going to be playing in the Champions League. Uh, and then we played Olympiacos away from home and lost 4-0. Um, we went down 1-0 at the end of the first half. Uh, and at, towards the end of the second half, the Krasnodar looked like they were trying to go for an away goal really heavily, and they got countered three times in about... 25 minutes uh, and lost 4-0 and then the second leg of that matchup uh, they ended up losing that 2-1 so they looked pretty bad against Olympiacos but pretty good against Porto um, and that way they ended up in Europa League after crashing out of Champions League qualification yeah maybe a little bit too naive and then and, and, and Olympiacos so we saw them against Basakci here um, yeah I wouldn't say they're they're a very impressive side because from what I saw against Bashakshir is that they could have easily gone out, but they were very efficient against mm -hmm. Bashakshir. Um, and, and maybe Krasnodar a little bit, like you said, pushing too much for that away goal and, and getting caught out on the counter. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. But I did take very uh, special note to them actually managing to knock out FC Porto because in Estadio de Dragao, that's not a small feat. Porto rarely lose at home. So that's really a huge accomplishment. And it's Europa League, like you said, for the sixth year in a row for Krasnodar. <laughs> in the past, Krasnodar had had a very uh, good uh, uh, Russian striker. Uh, Fedor... Uh, Smolov. It's Fedor Smolov. Is he still at the club? He is not. He's actually at Lokomotiv Moscow now. Oh, boo. Well, <laughs> tell us then who are the big stars for Krasnodar right now. The big stars for Krasnodar right now, I think the main one to keep an eye on is a Brazilian winger named Vanderson. Um, he is like lightning. The guy can, the guy is fast. He is rapid. Um, he is an incredible dribbler as well. Um, he lacks a little bit of end product, and you get the feeling when you watch him that he should score a bit more than he does. But he is an extremely good creator for the team. He's probably the main creative outlet on the wing. Um, depending on the lineup, he'll either come off from he'll either line up on the right or the left. It could be either. Um, but when he has the ball at his feet, something good is probably going to happen for Grazadar. Um, so he's probably the main player I would keep an eye on offensively. Um, another player to keep an eye on, assuming he's fit, is uh, the other winger named Magomed Shapi Sulimanov. He is a 19-year-old and he is actually an academy graduate from the club. Uh, he typically plays on the right, so if he plays on the right, you'll see Vanderson on the left. And Shapi Suleimanov is, is diminutive, he's tiny, uh, but he has a rocket of a left foot. And he also has a knack for showing up in big occasions. So in last year's Europa League campaign, he scored the winning goal to send Krasnodar through against Leverkusen uh, in somewhere around the 86th minute. And then in the next game, he almost put Krasnodar through uh, with a shot from outside of the box against uh, Valencia. He also scored the two goals that knocked Porto out of Champions League qualification as well. So... Um, when there's a big moment, he certainly rises to the occasion. Yeah, an interesting note for the few of you who may know, but Wonderson is actually the son 
of uh, Wamberto, uh, former uh, Brazilian uh, and Belgian league uh, legend, kind of. He played for Standard and stuff. And uh, Wanderson actually has dual citizenship. No, wow, yeah, I saw he had dual citizenship with Belgium, but I did not know he was related to Wamberto. Yeah, it's his son. Uh, and another big, uh, f well, how should I say, it, uh, familiar face for Turkish fans in particular, a new signing, Manuel Fernandez, who was at Lokomotiv Moscow for the past couple of years and, and led Moscow to their first title in, 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 in many years as well. He just signed with the club too. Uh, any big expectations for uh, Manny Fernandez? I would expect him to come in and probably take a starting role pretty quickly. Um, he played for Lokomotiv, so he knows the Russian league well, um, which means there shouldn't be a whole lot of problem with him adapting to a new league or anything like that. Um, they actually signed him because of some terrible injury issues that they've been having at the club. Um, before the season started, uh, national team midfielder Yuri Gazinski tore his shoulder, and he's going to be out till November. Uh, winger Victor Clausen tore his ACL on international duty, and he was probably the club's best player last year. And finally, uh, they brought in Remy Cabela from Saint Etienne for a club record fee, and he tore his ACL after five games with the club. So they found themselves lacking midfielders, I think, and went out and found Fernandez on a free. But I would expect him to end up in the starting lineup. And what about the coach, Murat Musayev? He's a young coach, only 35 years old. What can you tell us about him? What type of a coach is he and what type of football is Krasnodar playing under him? So he's a little bit more pragmatic than his predecessors have been. He's actually, this is his first ever professional appointment and he doesn't have his full UEFA license. So if you see um, on the on the sidelines, you probably won't see a whole lot of Musayev. You'll see another coach, but Musayev is the real coach. Uh, he actually was in the academy as a coach. He still plays the attacking football that Russian soccer fans or Russian football fans know to expect out of Krasnodar. Um, you'll expect to see a 4-3-3 um, and expect the team to to really try to play free-flowing, attacking, combinational football. Um, they're pretty well known in Russia for being a fun team to watch. And what and what would you say are uh, Krasnodar's main strengths? When uh, and also, please uh, tell us what will their opponents, Trabzonspor, FC Basel, Getafe, have to look for? How will they have to try and exploit their weaknesses to get points away from Krasnodar? So their main strengths is, is they have some some really quality players who can create situations out of nothing. So Wanderson is a really good example. Uh, he takes people on all game. He can. He's really dangerous in chance creation. Shapi Sulaimanov can can hit goals out of nowhere. Uh, they have a, a midfielder named Viljana from uh, Eredivisie, uh, and he he's a really quality player as well. They their weaknesses are sort of they're a very attacking side, and like you said earlier, they can be a bit naive um, in terms of not pragmatically managing a game. So I would expect a lot of the goals against Krasnodar to come uh, on the counter when the center backs and the full backs push too far up the pitch. And uh, Matthew Vilbuena in midfield for Olympiacos just was pulling strings all game and they, they really destroyed Krasadar on the counter. So while Krasadar is most dangerous when they're attacking, when they're on the front foot, they're also the most vulnerable as well because a lot of teams have had success um, hitting them back on the counter. Finally, my last football-related question for you, Will. Uh, what are your expectations of the group? It's, uh, like I said, a very tough group. Um, how do you see uh, Krasnodar faring? Who do you think they'll struggle most against? And finally, what is your uh, personal opinion on the, the final match day standings after six games? So I would expect Krasnodar to fight for the first place in the group um, because they were, they were in Champions League qualification 
they were a bit inconsistent, but they're certainly nearing that level of being a Champions League team. So I think Krasnodar should expect to either finish first or second in the group. Um, in terms of teams that they're going to struggle against, I think teams that will sit low and play defensively are going to give them a lot of trouble. When Krasnodar can play against a team that wants to play football, that wants to play attacking football, um, they tend to do better than teams that sit in a low block and counter against them because they kind of look for a loss. Um, they look at a loss for ideas. I would expect Getafe and, and Basel to come out and play. I don't know a whole lot about Trebzonspor, uh, but if you think that, they'll, uh, that they're going to play more pragmatically or perhaps defensively, then I would expect Krasnodar to struggle with them. And what's your prediction for uh, the final standings in the group? Uh, I would put Krasnodar first, uh, Getafe second, I'll say Trabzon's fourth, third, and Basel fourth. <laughs> you don't have to humor me. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, this is probably a, a more difficult question, but I ask all our guests. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Krasnodar, um, but if you have, or simply maybe you just know of uh, fun places for people, away mm -hmm. fans, to decide to visit uh, when they're traveling and deciding to make that long trip to Krasnodar. Is there anything you can say uh, to Basel, Trabzonspor, Getafe fans? You know what? Go do that when you're in, uh, in the area. So I have not personally been to Krasnodar, but I do know that uh, the owner of Krasnodar, Sergei Galitsky, is a Russian billionaire. And uh, he built a, a magnificent, amazing stadium for like 300 some million dollars. But around that stadium, he's building a park that is like no park I've ever seen in Russia or most of the world, really. It's absolutely beautiful. They have restaurants there. They have all kinds of attractions. So I would say uh, go near the stadium, spend some time in the park, hang out uh, and make it a, a full day of football. Sounds like a lot of fun, Will. Thank you very much for uh, giving your insights on Krasnodar. And we will be continuing this episode with uh, Getafe coming up next. And from part three, we have Getafe from Spain. And joining us right now is Alexandra Jonsson, Swedish journalist on Spanish football in Spain. She lives in, uh, in Vigo, I believe. And she's, of course, uh, an expert when it comes to Spanish football. And we also spoke to her last season already for the Black Eagles podcast on Malmö because she's a huge Malmö fan. So, uh, Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Very happy to be back. And last season, of course, you were the the last the last the la, the, la, the one left laughing last, or how should I put it? Uh, you got your revenge for that Bishitesh fan that threw beer on you. I hope it was beer, or what was it again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that is correct, and it was quite nice to uh, to see Malmö progress through from a group stage in Europa in Europe for the first time in. In my lifetime, to be honest, that was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't I can't imagine. But well, to be granted, I think most of the group stages you guys played were, were Champions League, and it's not that easy to yep. qualify from that. No, that is true, and uh, no, but it was uh, a cool experience and, and great for the for the city and the team, and hopefully we can do it again this year. Yeah. Good luck, you're not in the group at Bishitesh, so uh, you can win <laughs> all the games, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. But uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Getafe, uh, Spanish La Liga side, of course. They came out of Paltry here in a, what I think is maybe not the most attractive, but one of the hardest groups in Europa League, because you got four teams that are, I think, on a similar level. Now, I have to admit, I'm not a, I don't really know all that much about Getafe, but, you know, judging by their, their relative league position last season and um, 
Then looking at the other teams, Krasnodar are very tough not to crack. I've seen them in the Europa League over the past couple of years. There's always, there's always a difficult team. And of course, FC Basel, we all know they're a good side. And then Trabzonspor coming out of Pot 4, one of the more difficult teams in Pot 4, I'd say. This is going to be a difficult uh, group for sure, I think. It, I, it could be Trabzonspor ending first. They could end up fourth. Getafe could end up first. They could end up fourth. It's, it's a very complicated group. But let's start off with the beginning. How did Getafe manage to qualify for the Europa League through uh, their domestic performance last season? Yeah, so Getafe's story is actually quite remarkable because two and a half seasons ago they were lost in the Spanish second division and now they're going to play in Europe, uh, but we'll probably get more to that later. But so basically last season they were for sure the big surprise team in La Liga and they were in the top positions around Europe for pretty much the entire season, which I can say not even Barcelona or Real Madrid were at some point. Um, so they did a really, really impressive season and they were actually very close to even taking a Champions League spot. They ended only two points uh, behind Valencia. Um, and I think they just had a little bit of a dip at the end of the season, which is, is why they didn't end up in Champions League. They did take a Europa League spot, uh, which is highly, highly impressive for, for a team like Huatafe and considering the, the resources they have, the players they have and, and so on. But they did it quite uh, in a very convincing way, I would say. And it was for any team always very, very difficult when they had to play Huatafe. So it was... Definitely an impressive season for them. And who would you highlight as our key players? So that is definitely the, the two oldies up front. Uh, Jaime Mata and Jorge Molina are both over the age of 30. So Jaime Mata is 30 years old and Jorge Molina is one of the oldest players in La Liga. He's 37. So together they are 67 years old. But uh, that is not uh, slowing them down, so to say. So last season, both of them scored 14 goals each and they made six assists and five assists, respectively, uh, making them probably the, the best duo uh, of any La Liga club last season, at least one of the best. Uh, they are extremely strong and, and one of the main key reasons to why uh, Huitafu otherwise is a very defensively strong team, but also thanks to them, they, they score a lot of goals and, and could win important matches. Uh, so for me, they are definitely the, the two key players and, is before we move on from them, uh, it's quite interesting to point out that these are two late bloomers showing for everyone there is still hope uh, if you're uh, a bit older because uh, they both made their professional debuts in their mid-twenties in the Spanish second division and they both made their La Liga debuts at the young age of 29. Uh, but they are for sure the keys uh, for this team. You know, I know a couple of people who will be very happy to hear that. It's uh, quite an inspirational story for uh, some folks I know. One, one more uh, funny, uh, funny fact on, on that is also that Jorge Molina at 37 is actually older than Huatafe, the club itself, because the club was founded in 83 uh, and Jorge Molina was born in 82. <laughs> that is uh, indeed a fun fact. Uh, how about the coach, uh, Jose Bordalas? What kind of football does he have his Getafe play? Because you said they were defensively uh, a good side, but what type of football does he have them play? And uh, could you maybe highlight their biggest strength? Yeah, so Jose Bordalas, to start with, for me, is perhaps the best, or at least one of the top three best coaches in La Liga, um, uh, which is quite remarkable because he's only been coaching on the top 
level of, uh, of Spanish football for three years, even though he's been coaching for over 25 years, mostly in the, in the lower divisions of Spanish football. Uh, and the way that he makes his team plays, he's very, very smart in, in very, very many ways. Uh, but I would say that Huetafe is not your typical Spanish football playing kind of team. Uh, they play more, uh, more rougher, more physical type of football. Uh, I would say they are, they are fair. Uh, they don't they don't play ugly per se, but they can play a little bit ugly. But they're still fair but tough. Uh, I think is basically the best way to put it. Um, and their strength is that it's just so difficult to play against them, get through them, get through their defense, um, and and take points from them. What is probably their weakness is more that they have less resources than than most other clubs in La Liga. They don't have the same budget. When they came up. Uh, to uh, La Liga to tell the, this incredible story, which has a lot to do with Bordalas, because he took over as coach for Getafe when they were lost in the in the second division. In the same year, he won promotion with them, with them ending third in the second division, just very, very short of coming off uh, ending second, which would have gave, given them direct promotion. Instead, they had to go through playoffs, which made that when they started the 2017-18 season in La Liga, they did so with the least preparation at the time of all the teams with the lowest budget. Uh, they still ended that season eighth in the table because they are very, very smart in the transfer market and how they work and how they sign players. Uh, the coach Bordalas together with the, the sporting director, they have a very clear picture from the start on how they want this team to play, what type of players they need to play that way. Um, and so, and therefore they've been able to pick and and get those t types of players and they've taken most of them coming from the, the second division, Juan Mata being one of those examples who had scored 36 goals for Valladolid the, the previous season when he was signed ahead of last season. Um, and it's just very, it's a very good coach, very smart coach and just the things he's been doing with Huatafe is extraordinary and before he signed for Huatafe he actually took Alaves and won promotion with them to the first division but was sacked from Alaves because he was unsure if he was good enough to be a uh, first division coach because he was seen as a very good lower division uh, divisions coach but now he's definitely showing with Huatafe what he can do um, and there is an incredibly hard team to, to play against and I think no one really wants to, to face Huatafe especially led by Bordalas uh, at the moment. Yeah, it's something you see in Turkey quite often too, where when a team wins promotion, they'll change almost the entire team and they'll change coach, which is weird because, you know, they just won the division or whatever, or at least they won promotion. So it's always a little odd to just give those people the chance to prove themselves at that higher level, I'd say. Um, but you highlighted their strengths. Sounds like a really tough team to break down. The question, of course, is going to be, with a, lower, with a, a smaller budget, how is their squad depth? Are they going to prioritize Europe or are they maybe going to prioritize La Liga? Maybe aim for that Champions League spot next season that's going to involve a lot more money, of course, which could be great for the club. Maybe touch on that as well. But uh, what do you see as their, their, their weaknesses? What are Trabzonspor? What are Krasnodar? What are FC Basel going to have to look to exploit if they want to take points away from Getafe? Because as you pointed out, they are a tough team to take points from. Yeah, so it's it's definitely what you are, are pointing at. It's the it, it is a club that maybe don't isn't really prepared in the same way as as many other teams to play in Europe. And that's what is my big worry for them this season is just to see how well they are going to to handle being in three competitions 
uh, during one season because they are a team that can go pretty far in, in Copa del Rey and, and things like that. They've showed that before and they have a really good, even though, as I said before, they are a very young club, they do have a rich history when it comes to uh, Europa, Europe success and, and also success in the Copa del Rey. Um, so they've shown that before. Now it's obviously a new team, uh, new players uh, and a new coach. Um, and that is where I think the main weakness is, is just that the players that they have, even though Borrelas is extremely good at getting the best out of them, they just don't have maybe the same quality as many other teams have. Um, and it's last season, it, what impressed me the most by them was just how they managed, even at the end of the season, even though they came into a little bit of a dip, to despite not having the same resources and not having the same depth in their squad, they managed to still stick up, up there among the European spots and ending at European spots while we saw other teams who did impressive seasons like Espanyol or like Deportivo Alaves, they still didn't really manage to keep it through the entire season in the same way that Patafe did. Um, but now it's going to be com a complete different story because now you have two more uh, tournaments. Well, you had Copa del Rey last season as well, but you have Europe uh, as well, which is a lot of more matches coming in the middle of everything of this. Um, so that's where I'm afraid they might uh, run into a bit of problems. But then again, they are very smart in how they do their business during the summer window. Um, I'm, I think they've probably been thinking about it quite a lot. Um, so I'm still hopeful that they will be able to surprise many and, and do, do an impressive uh, run in Europe as well. But it's going to be more difficult. Um, and I think if you're talking about the weaknesses on the pitch and how to exploit them, um, I think it goes down to the same thing. It's try to find that these are players that don't maybe have the same qualities. So try to find the weaknesses in, in each specific player uh, and run them down. Um, I think that's the way to, to get past them. And then definitely try to stop Jorge Molina and Jaime Mata because if they don't have Jorge, uh, those two scoring goals, then they won't win any matches. And what are your expectations for the group as a whole? Um, do you expect Getafe to advance? How do you think they will fare in the group? Who do you think they will struggle with in particular, if they will at all? And uh, what's your, your, your take on the final standings in this group after six match days? I think it's, uh, like you said before, it's going to be a really tight group. It's four very difficult teams to play and four very difficult, three very difficult away matches uh, that you have how have up against you. I think if we look at the Spanish teams, Huatafe is probably the best club suited for a group like this in, in the way they play and, and how they tackle teams. Um, I think it is definitely coming from uh, pop three. Uh, they could have gotten in some ways for them more difficult teams, I'd say. Uh, but it's going to be tough. I think it's there is a possibility for them to go through the group. There's also a possibility, like you said before, for them to I don't. I wouldn't see them ending last, but at least ending third. Um, personally, I, I obviously hope it, it would go well for them, and it would be, be very fun to to see them progress and see uh, if they can come back to to that European glory days that they've had in the past. Uh, so I would uh, hope for them to end maybe second. Um, I think it's going to be difficult though to say if it's going to be Krasnodar or Basel who will be above them. Um, and I think all, all of the teams are going to be really difficult and it's, as, it's just one group that is just so difficult to predict uh, because it's not just to say like, okay, that is the pot one team, they're going to end first, that's the pot two teams, they're going to end second, that's the pot three teams, etc. Um, because it's, it's very tough 
teams and very tough uh, matches. Um, and one thing though that I could point out that I didn't before when it comes to weakness is that if we look at these teams, I think a lot of those teams are very difficult to play away um, and especially with the, the fan bases they have and just the atmosphere at these stadiums. Um, and I think that might be where, where Huetafe lacks a little bit because for them, it's not that big of a difference playing a, a home to playing away. Uh, being a quite young club, they don't have the same kind of fan base as many clubs do. Um, and depending when it goes well for them, their stadium can at occasion fill up if it's a really, really big match. But it's very, very seldom that we, we see a full stadium at Huetafe. It's also a very open ground, uh, Colosseum Alfonso Perez. Uh, which makes sound go out very very easy. Uh, so I think that might be a little bit of a weakness for them is that they don't have that thing that that other clubs, especially when they play Europe, uh, can help them a lot. It's just the atmosphere at home and, and having the fans backing them. And I'm not saying that Kutsafi don't have fans because they have and they're getting better and better with the years that comes. Uh, but they just don't have the same historic history and the same strong type of, of, of fan base that will create that kind of atmosphere that, that you'll see at other other stadiums and other clubs, I'd say. And then finally, do you have any fun travel trips for people who decide to um, make the trip to Spain for the away game? Krasnodar fans, Travel Sport fans or Basel fans. Uh, is there anything they have to do when they're in the area? Well, I'd say more than what they have to do, maybe what they shouldn't do is probably don't book your hotel in Huatafe because it's a very small, very kind of boring suburb city to Madrid. Um, so if you want to have a fun time, I'd probably suggest to, to get a hotel in Madrid, in the city, in the big city. Um, enjoy being in Madrid and everything that Madrid has to offer, which is a lot. Uh, then take the, the train or the metro, because you can even take the metro out to Hotafe. It takes a little bit longer time. So the, uh, the small train, I would suggest instead, it's uh, very easy to, to get there. I think it's like four stops or something on the line. Then you get out at Hotafe, go to the march and then take the same way back. Because uh, Hotafe isn't the most exciting place. Um, but the, their football is, is quite fun uh, at the moment because they are doing very well. Thank you very much, Alexander Jonsson, and we will be continuing our preview with Trabzonspor coming out of Portugal. And as promised from Pot 4, Turkey's Trabzonspor, and joining us right now is our very own Jakub Marofolo to discuss Trabzonspor, of course. Jakub, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Khan. And of course, you made your debut on Football Al Turca last week, and this is your second appearance. I uh, hope you'll be a recurring guest in, in the future, especially since Trabzonspor ha are having a very good generation, a fun team, and uh, they earned their Europa League tickets last season by ending in a fourth position. Uh, there's not so much to, to, to talk about in that regard, I think, but there is something to talk about in regards of their qualifying campaign. Tell us a little bit more about how uh, Trabzonspor got into the group stages. Who did they beat on their way to the Europa League group stages? So as we said, we finished the fourth last year and uh, in Turkey that uh, then you have to play two qualifying matches and uh, the, first that, the first one we had was against Sparta Prague. One, the game away was 2-2. We were down 2-0 until the 84th minute, and then we scored with Ekuban and Solot and tied the game 2-2. And um, at home, it was a tense game. The game was 1-1 until the 90 
plus six minutes after which i think it was a car i think it was a corner kick and we just counter-attacked and Novak scored a wonderful goal and the full stadium exploded. Afterwards, we were matched against really hard, uh, really difficult teams. But uh, out of all those teams, we got AEK Athens. And um, the first game was away again. And this time we were we were behind 1-0. But the team just just got back, to, got, got back to it. We got a penalty that we missed. And um, but... Ekuban just exploded and he had a hat-trick, so the game ended 3-1. But at home, really awful game, uh, just as, uh, as we are used to from Trabzonspor in big games. We were down 2-0 in the first half an hour. The first goal was a, was a simple goal and the second one was a penalty, which in my opinion wasn't a penalty. But um, it was a tense game, but in the end we uh, we got it and uh, we're back to the Europa League after like three years, I think, or four years, something like that. Yeah, and uh, for the fans of FC Basel, Krasnodar and uh, Getafe who might be listening to this, they may think, wow, this Ekuban guy, he scores a lot, that's a decent striker, but he's not a striker at all, actually. He's a more uh, yeah, he's a box-to-box midfielder, I guess you could describe him as. Yeah, he plays, he plays kind of like a number 10, but uh, it really... It really differs. He he, uh, he strolls about a lot. You can find him on the left wing. He sometimes goes onto the right wing. But his best position is, as you said, the box-to-box midfielder. He's like the connecting piece between uh, uh, our uh, attacking play and, uh, and and the forwards. And who would you say are the the, the big stars, the key players of this team uh, for Trabzonspor? Who are going to have to get the job done for Trabzonspor to get out of this group? Yeah, we got a couple. Um, first one, my favorite player in the team is Jose Sosa. He is the captain of the team, an Argentinian who, who you might know from uh, teams like Besiktas, like uh, Atletico Madrid. He played uh, at Milan for a year or so, um, even at Bayern. Um, he is the guy that's just the maestro. He, he directs the ball. Um, pretty much all the play goes through him. He drops back a lot. Um, sometimes he plays as a defensive midfielder. Um, but his uh, um, his his best quality is his passing. He's always he's calm on the ball and he's, he can always pick off um, the best player uh, to move forward. Um, next to him, um, another threat that we have is Wakaeme. You never know what he can do. He doesn't run a lot, so when you see him on the pitch, you always think like, is this guy really that good? But the moment he gets the ball on his uh, ball on his feet, he just you never know what he's going to do. He can he he, he has a pretty decent sprint to be honest, and um, he's really he's a really good dribbler, so he doesn't lose uh, he doesn't lose the ball that much. Um, scoring, crossing, pretty much everything is okay with. He's also really strong on the ball. And last but not least is Abdelkader Umur, um, a youth uh, product, uh, a guy from from the. Uh, from the city, from Trabzon, a lover of the club, um, fan from, from fan since he has been little, um, touted as the Turkish Messi a couple of years back by UEFA. Um, he's just really great. He's like 165, but uh, also really good on the ball, really pacey. Um, always looks uh, for the free player. Um, can play on wings, but his best position, in my opinion, is in the midfield where he gets a lot more freedom. Um, he was injured the last game, but I'm pretty sure he'll be back 
um, for the next game against the first game will be I guess against Getafe. So I will probably be back. Yeah, and that resemblance to Messi is is a real one. Uh, you often hear players get dubbed to the uh, you know insert random nationalities Messi, um, but, but he does have a lot of resemblances to Messi. The way he dribbles, controls the ball, his pace when he is on the ball. Uh, the way he can avoid tackles, uh, physical, and, and the way he goes into physical duels, he doesn't shy away from it at all. Uh, but he uses his body really well and his agility. The only thing you know that he doesn't really have that Messi has, of course, is, is that uh, clinical finishing. That's something he still needs to work on. But he's, he's a great passer of the ball too. Uh, he, I, I always love it when he tries a little lofted pass or something like that. Uh, but uh, it's a fantastic player, of course, and, and Trabzonspor have. Some really good players, like you pointed out, Jose Sosa, fantastic player too. Let's talk a little bit about the coach, Unal Karaman. Um, mm -hmm. What type of a coach is he? He was very much an unfamiliar coach when he took the job, I would say. Of course, a former player of Trabzonspor. Um, but he didn't have all that much experience at the highest level and when he came in it, 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 it kind of felt like he was maybe coming in as a more of a caretaker but he has really established himself as, as a really good coach and he's been doing some good stuff what type of football does he advocate what type of football does he have his team play and uh, how would you describe him in general as a coach started his uh, training uh, his coaching career with uh, being an assistant manager to um, to Chanel Gunesh uh, back in 2002, with the World Cup, he was the assistant manager of the team that finished the uh, finished the cup third. Afterwards, he had some little little coaching jobs at uh, teams like Adana Demirspor. But the reason why he was brought in to be the coach, as you said, it was kind of like a caretaker job. But I think that being an assistant to to Chanel Ginesh has has worked has worked out for him because you can see a lot of what Chanel Ginesh does as a coach. Back in what you know, Karaman does as a coach. Um, he likes to uh, he likes to let the team play attacking football. The team free to to play the way they want. You can see that he's given some players total freedom. Players like uh, Abdul Kader, Wakayem, and Sosa can just do whatever they want. It's okay. What he does this year, we got Sirlot in the uh, in the striking position. A one uh, a guy that's like 191. It's a really tall guy. Uh, the last couple of games, you, uh, you can see that he's used him as a target man a lot, just to bring the ball down and distribute the ball. As I said, Sosa dictates the play, so you know the ball pretty much goes through him every time. Uh, what he does a lot, has done since like last year, is he lets the backs go over the wingers. We got some pacey backs in Pereira and Novak. And um, it worked out a lot for for us last year because Novak on his own scored like five goals and it's more than some of the strikers that scored in Turkey. So as I said, just pretty much free-flowing football, you know, uh, attacking football. The team switches quickly. He has uh, teached the team to, you know, to always go after your man. And you can see that every, every, so and so, every uh, couple of minutes, you can see that if they lose the ball, the guy that loses the ball is always tracking back to get it and um, the thing that's probably the most important is he has he has bring he has brought back teams for it the guys really seem to click as a group there are no little groups it's like one big group and uh, the foreigners and the Turkish players seem to get on very very well so it's it's kind of it's kind of nice to see to see Travis for playing good football again what would you highlight as uh, Trabzonspor's main strengths and in 
on, on the other end of the spectrum as well. What are their m major weaknesses or, or main weaknesses? What are Getafe, Krasnodar and FC Basel? What are they going to have to look to exploit if they want to beat or get a po or get a get a point from Trabzonspor? I mean, the biggest strength, in my opinion, is that the team hasn't changed a lot. We didn't lose a lot of players in this transfer window. Um, we only we pretty much kept the the starting eleven of last year and lost only two players. But so the team already knows each other, uh, knows how to play. Uh, they know their uh, they know the tendencies of each player. They are really patient in attacking. We don't really force the ball into the into the box a lot. We just wait it out, pass around, and try to find try to find a little bit of space to do something. As I said, the team likes to play possession football, so you rather have the ball on your own feet than that than have it on the feet of your uh, of your opponent. Multiple multiple star players they can rely on. We got uh, Obi Mikel, we got Sturridge, the big transfer. We got players like Wakaeme, Ikuvan, Sosa, it just keeps going and going. And probably one of the biggest biggest uh, strength of the team is the is the home crowd. Every time you play in in Trabzon, the stands are filled with screaming, screaming. The, everybody knows about uh, Turkish fans and how they are how passionate they are. And our uh, our fans are no different. Weaknesses so the team um, we we didn't get a lot of subs for for the backs this year. We pretty much rely on Novak and Pereira to play 90 minutes pretty much every time. So if one of them gets injured, and with uh, Pereira being really like 34 years old, if I'm not uh, mistaken, it's kind of hard. It's kind of uh, bad to rely on a player of that uh, that age to keep playing without without being injured. Another another weakness is that sometimes the player seems to the team seems to rely too much on those couple players to do their magic. Every so often you can feel the team just pull the handbrake and everybody stops in their tracks and they hope that a Abdul Kader or a Wakaeme can do something instead of, you know, just moving forward as a team. And lastly in my opinion the biggest the biggest weakness that we have now is that we don't really have a competent defending midfielder. Onazi, our starting midfielder, a defending midfielder, is still recovering from his injury of last year. Obi Mikel, since coming in, doesn't really have match fitness and doesn't really, you know, exude calmness on the ball. He, he, he had some pretty terrible games. We have players like Doan Erdogan, but uh, they don't really have they don't really have, uh, have the experience of big matches. So let's hope that. Uh, that Onazi returns and uh, that uh, Obi Mikel can uh, get back to form. Yeah, and it's a tough group, we have to say. Um, not really a flashy group. I've said it before in the previous segments. It's not the sexiest group, so to speak, but it's a very tough group with four teams that are probably going to be at a similar level. You could probably end in this group with 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 10 points and win it or you could end with with six or seven points and be bottom uh, i think it's going to be very tight getafe could end top they could end in fourth position Trabzonspor could end top they could end in fourth position the uh, same thing goes for basel and krasnodar these seem to be four teams that are quite evenly matched obviously the budgets are a little different here and there but it is a tough group, and what are your expectations of this group? Are you very hopeful for Trabzonspor to get out of it, or are you more like, mm, you know what, this is really a tough group. If we if we manage to get out of it, that would be great. 
but I'm not putting all my hope on it. Uh, and what are your, what is your prediction for the final standings after six match days? I'm I'm always confident in the team, even though they have proven a couple of times that I maybe shouldn't have been. I'm always I'm always confident in the team because it, the football that they play in Turkey is really different compared to the European the European football. The, in, in Europe, you get a little bit more freedom to pass the ball around so you have a little bit more time to you know take your chances but yeah I don't really see us finishing last but I also don't see us finishing at the top of the group in my opinion in my opinion I think they will finish the uh, finish second but it pretty much all depends on the first game against against Gaddafi it's a game it's a away game so you know it's kind of difficult because we rely on uh, the home fans a lot and um, depending on uh, which players are which players are back from you know their lo- their lack of match fitness or their uh, injuries, the first game is pretty much going to define the rest of the group. Um, in my opinion, I'm the I'm the most scared of Krasnodar, and uh, that's pretty much because I think a lot of people, especially in Turkey, are going to underestimate them, think that they yeah they're a team from Russia, so we can pretty much just roll over them. And I don't think it's going to be that easy. Especially with, uh, you know, uh, the weather in Russia being so, you know, so so cold and uh, the um, the conditions being so bad. But I'm I'm confident in the team. The thing is, though, uh, the league in the league we're going to have some really big games around the Europa League games. So uh, the team is going to be tested. The rotation is really going to be tested. Um, after the game against Krasnodar, we have a game against Başakşehir. Uh, before the game against Basel, we have a game against Besiktas. So, you know, after the game against Getafe, the second one at home, we have a game against Galatasaray. So, you know, it's, 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 it's really uh, hard games all around. And we have to really uh, see how Inal Karaman is going to cope with it. One of his weaknesses uh, before, uh, one of his weaknesses last year was that he didn't really uh, make good subs at the right moment. And uh, we'll see if he, if, if he finally is going to redeem himself. And uh, let's hope that we do well because, in my opinion, if if we get through, we're just going to the final. We're bringing it home. I'm 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 saying it right now. Uh, actually, you know what, Krasnodar Trabzonspor is a kind of Black Sea derby. You know, because Krasnodar is located uh, at the shores of the Black Sea in Russia. So that's quite interesting. It's not really. I don't even think it's that far of a flight. If there's a direct connection, I don't, I'm not sure about that. But it's definitely going to be an interesting match. Let's not forget they also beat uh, Fenerbahce a couple of years ago. I think they're a very tough team that should not be underestimated. Uh, they are in the Europa League mo- in the, in, have been in the Europa League for most of the past couple of seasons. They're a consistent team and that gets out of the group. Definitely not a team to underestimate, I think. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough, but it's going to be a very interesting group at the same time. Hopefully, Trabzonspor can do well and can get out of the group uh, just so that Turkey gets some more coefficients. Jakub, thank you very much for giving your insights on Trabzonspor. And of course, thank you to everyone else who contributed to this episode of, uh, of Football Ala Turka, in which we previewed Group C in the Europa League. And uh, please do not forget to check out our other group previews um, that will come out after this one. We will have Başakşehir's group, Group J, coming out in the near future. Also, Galtrice Champions League group, including Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain, that will be coming out next week. And uh, switch over to the Black Eagles podcast if you want to hear and learn more about Besiktas' group 
K in the Europa League. That episode will also drop at the beginning of next week. Thank you all for listening and good luck, Trabzonspor.